to another episode of CQP Moments. As always, I'm your host, the Coupon Queen You know, we always wonder how people can get up and speak in front of rooms with no problem. Well, my next guest, Brendan, talks about just that. So let's take a moment out and I'll be right back with Brendan. So guys, like I was saying, I have Brendan Kumasari. And, you know, we all love to talk. We all love to have those conversations. And sometimes if you've ever been like me, you get in front of the room and you freeze. You absolutely freeze and you don't know what the heck to say because you either laugh hysterically or you're like looking like a deer in headlights. But Brendan's here to help us work through all of that. So Brendan, please introduce yourself to my listeners. Queen, the pleasure is absolutely mine. Thanks for having me and absolutely happy to do that. So yeah, my name is Brendan Kumar Sami. I'm the founder of Master Talk, which is a YouTube channel I started to help the world master the art of communication and public speaking. And I also coach executives and CEOs on how to be great communicators in my private practice. But how I got started, Queen, which I think is more interesting, is when I was in college, I went to business school and I literally studied the opposite of what you would think I would study, which was accounting. So I was a numbers guy, and I always thought I was going to work in accounting. But during my time there, I started doing these things called case competitions. Think of it like professional sports queen, but for nerds. So all the guys my age were playing rugby or baseball or basketball or football. I wasn't one of those guys. I did presentations competitively. That's how I learned how to speak. And then as I got older, I started coaching a lot of the students on how to communicate. And that's what led to the idea for the channel, because I felt that a lot of that info wasn't really available for free for the public. And here we are today. Wow. So you actually went in for accounting and came out a verbal coach. This is interesting. I I love this. I love this. So, okay, and I have to admit, I am, believe it or not, even though I used to freeze all the time in front of people, um, I was on the debate team. So, yes, fellow nerd, I love it. Um, (laughs) That's awesome, Quid. (laughs) But, okay, you talked about how you got started. Now, what is it that, because like I said, a lot of people freeze. What is that? What, what, What happens when... We can talk to friends, we can talk to family, but you put us in front of a room and it's like, uh, <laughs> and you know what you're supposed to say, but you literally look at out at everybody and you're like, fudge, what am I doing here? What is that? For sure, Queen, absolutely. So, so for me, the way I've always seen it was, let's go back to when we were younger when we were in high school, when we were in middle school, because that's where we learn how to speak. That's where we give those formal type settings, because you're absolutely right, Queen, in the sense that, hey, when we're talking to our friends and our family, things go just fine. But when we have conversations, or rather when we present in a very formal way, we get the jitter. So where do they come from? They come from the education system, because that's where we give a ton of formal presentations. And 
all of those presentations, Queen, have three fundamental problems. The first one is all of them are mandatory. We don't wake up in the morning and say, hey, Queen, you want to get breakfast and present all day? Nobody says that. So that's problem number one. Problem number two is you're never presenting something you actually care about. It's not, hey, Queen, I know you're passionate about podcasting and media and education and personal growth. What about you give a presentation on that? That's not how it works. It's, by the way, you got to talk about Shakespeare and poetry. And then after you've done that, you got to talk about the Renaissance. And you're looking at the right. teacher. And you're th exactly, right? And you're thinking at the teacher and you're going, oh my God, I don't want to present this. And then the last piece to this is that every presentation, Queen, is tied to a punishment. So if you don't do a great job, you get punished for it. So the conclusion is we grow up believing that communication is a chore, so it becomes one, and nobody wants to get better at doing the dishes. Whoa, and you know what? And, and the funny thing is, for those of you that have been listening to the podcast, you know that I am an HSing veteran. I'm, in, I'm a homeschool veteran. And that is the one thing that we actually have to learn is to not make schoolwork tied to necessarily an at-home punishment. So yeah, you know what? I never really thought about that. That makes complete and total sense. Absolutely. Wow. So, okay. We, we get over the jitters, but what is one of the first things that you do when you're meeting with a client and you, are you assessing them? Are you assessing how they speak? Or are you just saying, hey, you know what? Let's go through these exercises. What should people do? For sure, Queen. Definitely the second part, which is let's just build momentum. It's kind of like a sport. If we're trying to learn how to play basketball or do ballet, we don't sit there and read books for seven hours. We just go, you know what? Let's just get a basketball and shoot it in the hoop and miss a couple of times and see what happens. Or ballet, you know what? Might as well just take a ballet class and see what happens. So the same analogy applies in speaking. Whereas for me, the way I've always seen communication, Queen, it's kind of like juggling 18 balls at the same time. Where one of those balls is eye contact, one of them is facial expressions, one of them is body language, one of them is storytelling, and the list goes on. So for me, the question has always been, what are the three easiest balls to juggle? Because if we can juggle those first, we could build momentum and then juggle everything at once later. So now the next piece becomes what is the first of those balls, which is simply the random word exercise. Pick a random word like light bulb, like trophy case, like paper towels, and create random presentations out of thin air, queen. And this exercise serves two purposes. The first one is it helps you deal with uncertainty. Because guess what, queen? Life is filled with it. I'll give you an example. Let's say you go to a party, you go to an event, you meet somebody new. You have no idea how that conversation is going to go. You don't go to the conversation with the preset of questions say, okay, by the way, I'm meeting you for the first time. These are the questions we're going to tackle together, and these are my pre-written responses. That's not how the real world works, right? And then the second piece is if we can make sense out of nonsense, we can make sense out of everything and anything. So every single day, just pick five words, like trophy, like master, like light bulb, and just do a 60-second random presentation for each word. And if you do that for a month, you'll be super good at the exercise. 
So question. I mean, you know, we encounter people like most people don't realize there are times when I lisp. So is this to say that people that have speech impediments can't be good orators? Hmm, that's that's an interesting point that you bring up, Queen. Here's here's my perspective. Think of it like basketball. I just like using that as an analogy. Can everybody become an NBA player? The answer is of course not. Not everybody could be an NBA player. But if you spent every day for five hours playing basketball and you did that for a year, you'd probably be pretty good at it, a lot better than most people. And that's the same analogy that I bring into speaking. If you, if you spoke and practiced really hard, does that mean you'll be best in the world necessarily? Not really. But... If you really put in the time, and you don't need to put five hours a day, like my basketball analogy, five minutes a day is more than what most people put into the skill, you'll still get the result. So am I going to say you're going to remove your lisp, you're going to remove this, and all of this magic is going to happen? Of course not. But I think the point that I think is more important is you'll definitely get better than where you are today, and that's more than enough of a reason to keep practicing to do it. And I've trained people more so with high-functioning autism, and they've re they have a lot of trouble, Queen, presenting impromptu. Impromptu just means without preparation, like the random word exercise is a great example of this. But 100% of them, when I force them to do it 50, 75 times, they still struggle with it, but they're infinitely better than the first time. And that's really what matters, is the progress is the key. So we're talking about progress. So is it also one of those things where you just have to be comfortable? Mm. So I, I wouldn't say comfortable in the sense like you need to feel comfortable doing it. I think it's more in the sense of the comfort comes with time. So I'll give you a fun example with me because I'm the communication coach and expert. But I mean, when I started MasterTalk, I was scared out of my wits, just so people know the story. Number one, I have a crooked left arm. And the reason I have a crooked left arm that's still crooked to this day, I have a physical disability, is because of a surgery I had when I was a kid. So I was always stressed out whenever I was presenting because everyone would always look at my arm. They wouldn't look into my eyes whenever I was speaking or at me directly. So that always gave me the jitters. The second piece is I actually grew up speaking a language I didn't even know because I went to French school. So when I was in grade one, two, three, I was literally presenting a language I didn't understand. So it's not just that I was scared of speaking, I was presenting a language I didn't even know. And then on top of that, Queen, you would think that a communication expert studied in communication. I have a bachelor's degree in accounting. Like, what in the world am I doing? And I was a 22-year-old kid when I started making videos. So yeah, did I think I was the number one expert in the world on communication? Definitely not. And that's really where I'm coming from. That's why I have so empathy, so much empathy for the audience because I was there. And the solution to all of this is to just do more. So I'm not saying you need to do the random word exercise in front of a million people on your first get, on your first try. That's why I love this exercise is you could literally wait for everybody in your home to go shopping, be the only person in your home with nobody watching with no cameras and you just doing the random word exercise with yourself. And I think that's what's fun is even the most introverted person I've worked with in my career, they, they'll still do the random word exercise alone in their basement and they'll still see improvements very drastically and pretty quickly too. 
So parents, if you are listening, which I hope that you are, because I know we tend to do something that Brendan is saying we shouldn't do. It's like, so you're going to practice your Christopher Columbus speech in front of me 10 times. (laughs) (laughs) So are you saying, in other words, instead of doing that, maybe they should go practice their speech in their rooms, maybe in front of a mirror so that the child becomes just a little bit more comfortable doing it or they are able to get through the speech and then possibly present it to mom and dad? 1,000%, Queen. You definitely got the key point. And then the only thing I would add on top of that, which is a tiny point, is gamify communication. Make it fun. Let me give you a fun example here, especially with the kid-parent analogy. What I always get my clients to do, who are largely the parents, is I have them set the example first. So let's say you're a mother or father listening to this, and you have an eight-year-old son. But even if they're 16, it still works. It doesn't matter. All you have to do is whenever you're in the car with them, whenever you're having dinner with them, you say, hey, I was listening to this podcast with Queen and Brendan, and they were talking about the random word exercise. And you look at the kid and you say, why don't you give me a random word exercise? Give me any word. And then the kid will give you a word like tissue box, and then you'll mess up because you're not good at it either, which is the point. It's it's the, the process that's more interesting. And then you mess it up. You go, oh, like paper towel is this, and, and you present, and then you give them a word. So it becomes a game. It's not even about getting better at communication in quotation marks it's more about saying oh this is a fun game that i want to keep playing with my dad or my mom over and over again but what you're indirectly doing for your children is you're actually making them really good at communication because i i challenge my senior vice presidents queen my svps my ceos they can't even do it once so if your kid is able to do the random word exercise a hundred times in their life I mean, they'll grow up to be incredible speakers. There's no doubt. Wow. And that's really interesting to say that. In other words, you know, there are, you know, heads of companies that can't get this the first time. So this is like amazing, amazing. And for all of you parents out there, I'm just warning you. Children love to give the most awkward random words i'm I'm just going to warn you so if they throw out a word and you're you're one of those people that says oh we're gonna go with this just be prepared to hear stuff like butt monkey or something very interesting and you now have to make that into some form of a great uh speech for a few moments yeah just saying there you go (laughs) (laughs) but okay so we get here and we have to learn, you know, or after time become comfortable with this. What, what is the length of a good speech? Because, you know, if you've ever gone to, which I know you have, graduations where everybody and every politician who you've probably never met has now has to speak and they have what seems like a 45-minute prose dissertation of, you know, every angel in heaven. Um, (laughs) What is the proper length of a good speech, or what is the minimal length of a good speech? Absolutely, Queen. So for me, it's not really about 
minimal length. It's more about saying whenever we present a presentation, are we able to deliver different versions with different times allotted to that presentation? So I'll give you an example. Let's say this happens all the time at work. Your boss comes up to you and says, hey, I need you to prepare a 20-minute presentation. And then you get to the, the meeting, and this happens like all the time, where the boss says, oh, by the way, you only got 10 minutes, Queen and Brendan, so present this. And like, oh, well, now I got 10 minutes. So, so the versatility is more important. But there's a tip I'll share on presentations that's really helped me, the people I coach, Queen, which is called Puzzle. So communication is like a jigsaw puzzle. You know those toys we used to play as kids? It's like there's a thousand piece puzzles. You put them all right. together, right? So the question is, and you might know the answer to this, Queen, is when you're working on a jigsaw puzzle, which pieces do you start with first? Do you happen to know the answer to that, Queen? It's pretty easy. You always start with your corner pieces. Exactly. And why is that? Because one, they're the easiest to identify and two, if you have all of the borders together, you can always start to fill in the pieces from there. You're clearly a puzzle expert, bullseye, absolutely. So now, why am I bringing that up? Because in communication, unfortunately, Queen, we do the opposite. We shove a bunch of content in our presentations. We get to the presentation. We ramble throughout the whole thing. And then the last slide sounds something like this. Uh, yeah, so, um, uh, thanks. Not really the best approach. So for me, the perspective has always been, let's apply puzzle to the way that we communicate. Meaning, the next time that we have a presentation, let's start with the edges first, like a jigsaw puzzle. So that means, do the introduction 20 times. Not a, not a million times, not, but not twice either. Do it 20 times. You're, that's actually not hard at all because your intro is like two minutes. So it'll take you 45 minutes to do it 20 times. Same thing with the conclusion. What's a great movie with a terrible ending? Last time I checked, terrible movie. Same thing for the close. Do that 20 times as well until it's perfect. Then work your way into the middle. And that's how you master the puzzle analogy. But more importantly, you're going to be a lot more confident the next time you deliver a presentation. Because you'll look at your intro, you'll look at your conclusion, you'll go, wow, I'm so amazing at this. Let's knock this out. Whoa. And you know, the funny thing is, I always thought of doing it the essay way, which, you know, you have your opening statement, your body, and then your conclusion. So you're saying work more on your opening and your conclusion and then fill in the middle. Right. But the only thing I'll add there, Queen, is there's nothing wrong with your approach either. I really like it, right? You write down the, the beginning, you write down the body, you write down the conclusion. But the, the layer I'll add on top of that is just how are you practicing it? So the, the challenge with a lot of people, Queen, is they'll write the whole speech through the exact framework that you taught, which I think is fabulous. But then the challenge becomes when they go and present it, let's say it's a 20-minute talk, they'll present it three times, the whole thing. They won't see much progress. They'll get tired after an hour of doing this, and they'll get lunch and never practice again. That's the problem. So instead, I think the compromise, depending on what you're comfortable with, is you either just say, I'm going to write the whole speech, but when I practice it, I'm just going to follow Brendan's approach and do 20 times first, 20 times to the close, then I do the whole thing, or you say, you know what, I'm just going to write the intro, practice the intro, I'm going to write the conclusion, write the conclusion, then go into the middle. But you can do it either way and it works, but just practice in the right order would be my point. Ooh. So I have a really interesting question. 
Because I think most people think in order to give a speech or, or in order to communicate a speech, you have to be the one to write a speech. If you are not great at writing a speech and you know someone that is, and you can kind of talk them through the points of what you want to say, should you allow that person to write your speech so you can present it? Mm, so let me make sure I got that question. Your question is, is it if you feel somebody else can write your speech better than you can, is it better for them to write it for you and you present their speech versus you writing it your own because it might feel more authentic to you? Did I, did I get that question yes, right? Yes, correct, correct. Awesome, just wanted to make sure. So there's different schools of thought on this, Queen. And it really depends. I think the answer lies in the middle. Let me give an example to my clients because the only way to actually explain this correctly is I coach a lot of technology CEOs. So whenever they are presenting, they have to talk about their company in a way that gets them funding. So let's go with that example because the easiest way for me to explain this. But the challenge is they'll never be able to 100% of the time get all of the words right because they're always missing components and that's why they hire me. But the other spectrum is also true because if I write the whole thing for them, it won't feel authentic to their voice. So how do I balance both of these perspectives in that context, which is very specific? I'll look at the speech and go, okay, this section makes sense, this section makes sense, but the third section, I would encourage you to do it this way. And then they'll see what I wrote, they'll tweak it a little bit and say, okay, I like this. Like when I add numbers, when I add the vision, and they'll tweak it to their message. But the combination of both of our perspectives is what ultimately creates the perfect talk. So now how does this apply into day-to-day -day life? Because most people won't be able to afford a coach. So that won't that won't work. Like the example I just gave. I just use that so it's clear for people. So for most people, what does that look like? I would say default to trying to come up with a talk on your own, but seek help. But seek help doesn't always mean a coach unless you can afford one. Then totally do that. But seek help simply means, hey, uh, Queen, I'm giving this presentation tomorrow. I'd love for you to just listen to it and just give me what you think. And that advice is free, right? Or just friends of yours. Like let's say you're a buddy of mine. We've known each other for 10 years, that type of relationship, right? And, and you're giving me advice and I go, okay, she's giving me five ideas and there's four things and what she said that really makes sense that I'm missing in my presentation, I need to add that. But if you do that with 10 different people, Queen, you're still creating a talk that's unique to you, but you're also getting external help, whether it's from a coach or just a friend, to refine the talk in a way that people will actually understand it. So I would say it lies in the middle. That makes sense. That does make sense. That does make sense. And I, and I love that because in other words, I think, you know, sometimes we think about ghostwriting, we think about, you know, or what if, what if I'm not great at getting the words across? But I think what you're really saying is the person has to have some, you know, input so that they are at least acclimated to giving the speech itself. For sure. And, and the reason is because there's always going to be situations in our life, Queen, I'll throw it back to you, that you just won't have time to prepare for a speech. A lot of the times what will happen is you might be at work, that's probably the most common scenario for your audience, and they'll just say, hey, I need you to present this tomorrow or next week. And sometimes you just won't have the time to prepare. So I think getting into that habit of trying to create your own voice will definitely help you uh, over time for sure. Oh, that makes that makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. So, Brendan, you know, 
you've been doing this for a pretty long time. Where can people find you and find all of your information? Because don't you give at least a free course every once in a while? Absolutely, Queen. It's such a pleasure to be on. Thanks for having me. So, so two ways to keep in touch. The first one is definitely the YouTube channel. You just go to Master Talk. You'll have access to free videos. There's hundreds of them on the platform. And the second way to keep in touch, to your point as well, is one thing I do every two weeks for the community, and it's absolutely free. I do a Zoom call where I facilitate a 90-minute workshop that anybody can attend. And what's great about this workshop is you get to see me live presenting something and you get to see me in that setting so you could learn a thing or two as well. Kids join this training. CEOs of massive companies join this free training. Everybody's invited to the party. So if you want to jump in on that, go to rockstarcommunicator.com and just register for our next available training. Awesome, awesome. So guys, he's talking to young and old. So if you're looking at a next young political leader if you are looking to be a mom getting out there back into the workforce or if you are a business owner looking to you know tweak your skills his information will be in the show notes so of course you won't miss a thing but brendan it's been amazing having you and thank you of course queen the pleasure is mine If you're looking to master public speaking, it seems like Brendan is definitely our guy. I hope that you got all the gems that he was dropping and, you know, check him out. If you're looking to really master speaking in front of a whole group of people, or if you're looking to even be able to present amazing presentations, you know, he does it all. So... Guys, as always, look, his information is in the show notes, so you won't miss a thing. But as always, be good to yourselves, be good to each other, and happy shopping.